just Wigan, wasn't it? On another edition. Vowels Americast, Sheffield Wednesday, Opinion with an American Accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and this week, I feel like it's been a while since I've been on the show, but I brought a nice, I brought a co-production, much like this podcast. It's a Two Roads Brewing and Evil Twin collaboration called Saigon Scooter Selfie, the Vietnamese-style coffee stout with brown sugar and cream extract, and is 9.5%, so I am flying about as high as Wednesday with their stranglehold on 16th place in the championship. Here to discuss such things with me this week. First off, it's Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Good evening, Jeffrey. How are you, sir? Uh, I am drinking a uh, Trogues. Yeah, what is it? Trogues? Trogues. Trogues. Uh, Perpetual IPA. It's um, very nice. But I feel like I need a cup of tea. Solid I'm, choice. I'm coming down with a bit of a cold, and it's uh, kind of uh, burning my throat now after three of them. It's 7.5%, and uh, I just feel like I need some kind of like NyQuil and some hot lemon tea or something like that just to chill me out. Is that how much you that need to discuss a uh, thrilling 1-0 win over Wigan? I need something a bit harder for that, I believe, but um, I'm sure a Ny- uh, NyQuil will help. Drinking something a bit harder, I'm sure, is James Allen. James, what are you drinking? Jeff, hello. I'm back. Um, what, what the hell am I who, who are you? Um, who the hell are you? Yeah. Who, who, who the hell's this? <laughs> are you the one that attacked the swan? <laughs> no, that's the tall fella, and I'm not the one who's just had a kid either. Um, no, I'm uh, I'm drinking a uh, an evil twin imperial style, Jeff. Sound familiar? Uh, this one's called Even More JCS. It turns out that JCS is uh, is a, a particularly cool guy from Minnesota called Jean-Claude. I don't know what the S stands for. Uh, but this is an Afrogato-style uh, imperial stout with uh, vanilla and coffee uh, and lactose as well. It's 12%, and so I'm, uh, I'm basically bouncing off the walls of my little closet, which I'm back in. So hello. I assume the cream extract in mine is literally just lactose. Maybe it's like thicker lactose. I don't know. That sounds really disgusting. It does. It tastes good, though. It's, uh, I'm not a big fan I'm of I'm not really getting, like, the huge... Viet- it's fake. Like, yeah, it's like the milkshake IPAs I'm not into. I'm not into that at all. But it works fine in, in, a, in what's ostensibly a milk stout, I guess. Cream stout. Also a thing. I think given that this is basically a pint of wine, it's, uh, it seems to be ticking <laughs> the boxes, despite the fact that it's very creamy. Uh, it gets the job done, much like Wednesday against Wiggins. We'll discuss another Br- Steve Bruce in absentia special. 1-0 win. There's some Wednesday news. We have a chat with our Atlanta Owl. Atlanta George having their first uh, Wednesday meetup this weekend for the Chelsea game. 
We'll preview said game and tell you about all of our meetups for said game, which are extensive at this point. We will start with another quality 1-0 win, keeping us firmly in 16th place. Fletcher up top as the lone striker. Same defense in midfield. It feels weird to like not, you know, 9 a.m. or an hour before kickoff, Patty, to just kind of know what the lineup's going to be. It's so nice, isn't it? It's almost like, I mean, it was kind of like, uh, like I don't know, it was just so, um, even though Yoss's style football is so boring, it was quite, kind of jarring every single Saturday morning waking up to a different lineup. It's quite comforting waking up knowing that you're going to ha- have a similar kind of uh, team sheet every every morning we got now. I didn't even check the lineup until I got to the bar on Saturday, which is about 5 to 10. So I'm using like checking at 9 o'clock just to make sure the craziness Yoss has put inside our, um, our team. But thankfully, um, old uh, Aggie and Clemo are uh, keeping it pretty um, consistent, which we're seeing on the pitch too. It's really, I think it's giving people confidence. We've seen better performances from Fox and from Boyd that we said previously, uh, Palmer to some extent. And I think this game kind of just was so kind of controlled from start to finish. We didn't ever see like we were in danger. So uh, I feel like it's helping this uh, consistency. Consistency is great, but you would probably prefer a little bit better uh, first half performance after four or five, six games together, James. Um, I guess in an ideal world, yeah. I, I think I'm kind of alone in the fact that I quite we get it enjoyed the first half. I wasn't uh, I wasn't quite as horrified as uh, as the average punter on Twitter always is, and and it appears the average uh, season ticket holder at Hillsborough was at the same time. I mean, look, there it, it wasn't anything spectacular going on, but I thought you know first. 20, 30 minutes or so Wednesday controlled the game pretty well. I mean, you know, Fletcher was doing what he does extremely well, which is holding the ball up and, and kind of dominating the front line. Just what wasn't really clicking is you had Boyd and, and Matthias both playing in a high press off of him. Um, they just weren't really quite connecting and, and the balls into the box weren't finding the targets. So, you know, it, was, it wasn't thrilling stuff, but Wednesday didn't really seem troubled. I mean, Wigan had a little bit of pressure maybe just before half time, but... Um, it's probably the first game in three or four that I've really had a chance to actually sit down and watch in real time in, in a slightly more relaxed way. And I don't think it was bad. It wasn't thrilling, but, you know, look, we're a mid-table side. We're not meant to be thrilling right now. We're just meant to be treading water. And uh, and we, we trod trod water with uh, a certain degree of uh, confidence and assuredness, which was quite nice. But perhaps you could argue, Patty, that uh, Wednesday should have had a couple of penalties. You know what, during the game, I thought that first shout, so there's an instance where um, Reach breaks free and he, he gets into the box and then it was uh, Dunkley, I believe, that uh, challenges him. And while we're watching the game on iFollow in the bar, it looks a stonewall penalty to me because he just takes, he just goes through Reach, but it was hard to see where the ball was and where, where the ball got taken. And I looked on the replay today and it was clearly he got the ball first, so that was kind of ruled out. One thing I didn't even notice watching it live is that the second penalty shout we had was actually a much better shout, and that's the handball which um, came from a Fletcher volley. And I think that was the, um, the is it Cedra or something like that in defence they have? He had a good game, actually. Keeper, K-I-P-R-E, number 21. He blocked everything the entire game. Um, but I think that time around was a better shout than the first one. He kind of just put his hands up to the side. Uh, so he can't really claim he was... Uh, kind of uh, saving his face. It was, it was definitely to the side. So I think that was probably a more of a better shout than the first one. Uh, either way, we got bugger all, so don't matter what is it? But 
in uh, deference to an old Wednesday manager, James, in the second half, we put the meat on the barbecue. <laughs> yeah, we should bring back Carlos as like a halftime entertainer. He could, uh, he could, you know, stumble out uh, while everyone else is down the stands trying to queue up for a uh, a beer that they probably will never actually get their hands on because somebody behind the uh, the till can't count the change. Um, and he could, uh, he could kind of, you know, do like a motivational speech about um, the the meat that we're going to eat in the second half. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it was like Carlos' teams of old, wasn't it? We kind of we bumbled around for the first half, which I didn't mind, but maybe no one else. Uh, particularly enjoyed and the second half we came out like we were back at the races and we we played with a higher tempo um you know really started creating chances i mean you know fletcher for me had a great game throughout the game but he he just seemed again that that kind of link up play seemed to start connecting more second half um and you know the 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 chances were kind of coming we would begin to kind of put more pressure on get more corners um and then it, it really kind of clicked into gear when uh when Zhao came onto the pitch i thought but yeah it was it was it was a much more high tempo high press uh game in the second half and, and that eventually yielded the breakthrough and as goals go it was uh possibly fletcher's best in a wednesday shirt patty i think so i'm, try- I'm trying to think of uh, one that's better than that and uh i'm just it's... glad we can put a clip in the in our year-end best goal compilation that's not adam reach so <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've already won three goals in a month already. Um, two, I think, two Adam Reach and one Joao, wasn't it? So I think Fletcher's in the hat for the next for this current month. Um, I, I think it was a great goal, and there was a little bit of uh, work on the wing from Reach to set it up to first. He kind of uh, beat off two players and passed it to Bannon, and Bannon lets uh, Fletcher run for about thirty so, yards. And... Sorry, sorry, got to stop you there, Paddy. He did, he did what? He did a little oh. bit of work on the wing. Did I say? No, that's much better. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with the second version. Thanks. <laughs> what did I say? Keep, keep going, keep going. Talk about the Fletcher's <laughs> run from... Uh, from uh, A lot of drugs, apparently. <laughs> I did, he did some work on the ring. Did that, that was said. <laughs> Just trying to... Okay, fine. <laughs> right, so Fletcher gets the ball on halfway. What happens next, buddy? He scores a great goal. You can take it over there. <laughs> He curls in with the left foot uh, after some lovely work on the wing <laughs> from Madden Reach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you put me right off my off the red there. Um, but I want to I want to come back to a, a really funny moment I thought earlier in the first half, which Fletcher had. He did work his socks off that um, that game. He had a great game. But um, did everyone see the overhead kick, which almost finished him off? In the first well, half, the one where he broke his back on the way down. <laughs> I thought he died because it was quite an acrobatic kind of red kick, and for a thirty-one-year-old uh, guy, I know he looks older than that, but he is only thirty-one. I know, but he's pushing like fifty, I think, as a thirty-one-year-old. Uh, physically, it's only his hair that's looking. It's the hairline, yeah. He needs body, the right? Miguel Yera skull cap, and you wouldn't even notice. It took him five minutes to recover from over red kick. He's, he's definitely pushing fifty physically. He's on the floor for about five minutes. I thought he was died. He doesn't land well, does he, Fletcher? I mean, he's um, basically that way now. He puts himself about. He's got amazing footballing nous, and he, uh, he you know, he's, he's a constant thorn in the side of defenders. But he's a bit brittle when it comes to his his lower back. He and his is arms. going to lead um, League Two in goals at like thirty eight for Carlisle United. <laughs> <laughs> but then it turns out that he can. He can sprint like Usain Bolt and kind of leap like a salmon just at the right moment. So that that was what the goal was all about, right? I mean, you know, having looked completely broken first half, he he he, tur- he showed a turn of pace, which frankly I don't think we've seen anything 
of the like from Fletcher since he's been at the club. But you know what? It was a really simple goal, wasn't it? Because he picked the ball up on halfway and he just ran at the defence. I mean, the unsung part that no one, well, a fair few people have mentioned on Twitter, but, you know, you've got to give credit for as well as the finish, is that Joao drags the defenders away. That diagonal run that kind of creates the space for Fletcher to run into is perfect. And that was the difference between Joao being ahead of Fletcher versus Boyd and, and Matthias trying to play off of him. Um, but the, the, the just the, the darting run straight on goal and the determination that he's going to take the shot uh, and then to kind of just ding that in the left-footed from 20 yards is is absolutely beautiful. It was it was a terrific goal, um, proper striker's goal, and and the like of which you know despite all those long-range efforts we've seen from Adam Reach, we haven't actually seen at Hillsborough for quite a long time, which is just a a sort of head down, I'm going at it and I'm going to score a goal mentality from a, from a striker running from deep in his own half. I'd liken it to like a uh, playing FIFA with your friends goal where you just get the ball, run a little bit, and say, yeah, I'm gonna have a crack. Sort of L1 from halfway, yeah, run a yeah. diagonal line, and then uh, hit square from somewhere outside the box. None of our players on current FIFA have got the skills to score from that far out. <laughs> Trust me, I've been trying to play with them for ages now. The rubbish. Well, do they update Stephen Fletcher in real time? I mean, has his yeah. ranking gone? Maybe he'll go up this week now, yeah, hopefully, because they've been crap for so long. And after that goal, Wednesday really should have gotten a second complete dominance in the second half, but we see out the Brucey special, Patty. We had loads of chances. I looked at the stats afterwards. We had 21 shots in this game, which seems more than we actually uh, had, but only eight on target, apparently. But um, there's a few good ones. Um, Boyd got a, a, had a really good chance. It kind of like got fed into him through, through Joao. Uh, he got stuck in his feet. He seemed to take about five touches and then just uh, couldn't get the ball out at the end of it. Uh, Atty uh, had a good uh, chance right at the end, uh, which he kind, of, uh, he kind of muscled off two people and had a toe poke, which the keeper saved, and he landed at Joao's feet, and he had another chance, and he could have scored two. So we could have been at two or three, and I think Fletcher had a couple too uh, that got lovely saved and are blocked by the um, by that number twenty one uh, uh, in their defence. So overall, it could have been a lot more. Uh, Wigan did absolutely nothing, I think, for the ninety minutes. I think one of the worst teams to turn up at Hillsborough this season. Um, and we've said that this time and time again. I, I think it was a good six teams, probably exactly six teams below us that are way worse than we are. So I don't think we're in any danger of going down this season, at least, um, which is why we're in such a, a kind of boring kind of middle ground, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, we're, we're, we're fortunately not as shit as uh, as those below us. So, you know, all that talk of relegation around Christmas can uh, can kind of go whistle. But we, sh- we should talk about the fact that we didn't convert any of those chances, right? Like, So one of the beauties of being back on Problem, this podcast... Problem, goals do win games. They, they, you know, they they have an impact over the course of the season. But yeah, being back on this uh, this venerable podcast and not having to talk about numbers every two seconds on the other one, um, I don't actually have the expected goal stats to uh, to hand. But like, we created a lot of chances in that second half, um, and a decent side would have finished a couple more of them than we did. I mean, like the one that Boyd had, for example, he should just put that in the top corner. You know, there's no uh, there's no need to kind of fluff his lines on that one. I'm sorry, but Atty. Like I, I know he scores off other people with weird angles and deflections at Luton, but could he just do straightforward kicking the ball in the goal, goal goals when he gets the chances? I mean, that would that would be nice. 
Um, yeah, look, yeah, I think he had a good game actually. Actually, for the last ten minutes he came on, then Joao had a good game too. They both had good cameos in that game. Joao, absolutely. You know, when he when he came on, he definitely changed the game, and he, he added a, a dimension of pace and trickery, and and kind of just stretched the defence in a way that that we really needed on the pitch. Uh, I can't really claim that uh, Dave did any of the uh, the equivalent, but you know, all right, let's put him to one side. What's exciting about Joao is if you play him off Fletcher and he plays like that, that's exactly the dynamic that we want up front, right? You know. Someone fast and with purpose playing off uh, a striker who's got really good understanding of positioning, knows how to move the defence around, hold the ball up well and can link him in. We just need Joao to do that game in, game out and not do it off the bench. I think Joao needs wingers at either side of him too. I think if you're going to play Joao and Fletcher, there needs to be a top central too, uh, rather than push Joao out wide, which we do sometimes. But he did come in more central, didn't he, in that game uh, on Saturday. And I, I think like you're right, he, had, he was more involved, he's more direct. Uh, it just feels like he's more comfortable in that position. It's interesting because when you do that, you can't play reach in the centre. You've got to play reach out wide. Um, and then you kind of get into this issue where neither Boyd nor Matthias are really that kind of out-and-out winger that can play on the opposite side to reach or interchange with him. So there's a personnel issue. And it kind of comes back to the balance of the squad that we've talked about a lot, that we've got some good players, but they're not functioning as a team, as a unit, to the best potential of uh, of the the aggregate group so you know for me Fletcher starts every game now but you need a fast striker running off of him um, if that's Joao then you've got to change the way you play with wingers and with midfield behind them it did seem to make a big difference and you can really I think even probably point to the to Wednesday's recent struggles with Joao going off with a uh, injury and it was good to have him back on and the, the Joao Fletcher pairing has been particularly uh I think fruitful given their complementary styles. I guess what do we think about sort of the ideal formation going forward as Bruce looks to take over the team in a week or so? For me, like I said, I, I think that Jean Fletcher up top in the centre is fine. I don't mind putting Reach on the left hand side as a winger. I think Reach can put a good ball in. He's good at cutting in from that left hand side as well. Um, I think he's He's probably better as a central midfielder or attacking midfielder, but I don't think we want to play that way. Uh, I'd keep Bannon and Hutch in midfield, and we just need a right winger. I don't think Boyd and Matias or either of those uh, can, can play on that right wing. So sign a right winger, uh, and we'll be laughing. So you're basically you're back in a, a good old-fashioned 4-4-2 there, Paddy, eh? Yeah, but with a more kind of advanced uh, wide two, I would say. And maybe Joao playing as that number 10 rather than the number 9. It's interesting because you look at the formations that Bruce has played. He's actually he's deployed you know quite a variety of formations over the course of his career in the championships. So I don't I don't think necessarily we will go down that kind of tried and tested uh, formula. But right now with the players at our disposal, I certainly sees the model that probably is going to be the yield us the most success. Because I agree with you. I thought Bannon and Hutch were absolutely you know right where they needed to be uh, on Saturday. You know, Hutch actually, you know, he hardly gets a mention in the commentary, but he, he was, he was kind of at his quiet, effective best when he's not really necessarily doing anything in two hero status, not going to get himself booked in the first five minutes. He's just breaking up the play and distributing the ball and and just kind of giving that confidence to the back four uh, behind of him. Um, so that that was really good to see. And and right now, I don't see why we would mess that. So I, t- I tend to agree with you, Paddy. Um, I like Matthias and Boyd playing in the side, but I just don't think they're offering enough threat. Off, uh, off Fletcher in the current setup. The big X factor is what happens before the end of January. You know, can we make a couple of trades that mean that, you know, we have a little bit of an infusion of talent, whether it's a new winger coming in or, or you know, a different striking option 
um, that gives us uh, just just a little bit more of kind of a, a pacey threat up top. That would be uh, that would be really interesting to look at. Seems like a good place to transition into Wednesday news, and if we do need to raise some funds for a second striker, Patty, we have Club eighteen sixty seven version two point oh. Oh, don't come to me for this. I ain't got a fucking clue what it is. I tried to. I, I read uh, the letter like seven. I know you talked about it last week. I read it a bunch of times. I don't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, got, I have nothing to add. A week later, so I tried to explain it last week, and I got it completely wrong. Um, I'm going to Google it right now. Uh, unless James knows, can you explain what it means? All I can say is basically, buy one get one free. Yeah. Buy one get one well, free, right? Look, it it it's the same as it was before. In in essence, it's pay now get your season ticket later and it's you know it's, it's like an iou you, you put your money in and as a result of putting your money in you get a season ticket when we're in the premier league um it seems further down the be... road than it did the first time they did this <laughs> yeah it, you know it, it's it's a bigger and bigger leap of faith and, it, and and that's what it is it's a leap of faith i mean you know if you kind of boil it down what the club are asking fans to do is to dip into your pockets to find cash that you know you probably don't have or that you know you're gonna have to really really work hard to put together and it's not a small amount of cash, you know. We're talking high hundreds, if not thousands, of, of pounds sterling, and give that to the club now on the good faith that you'll get a season ticket in the Premier League. And, and look, there's plenty of incentives built in around it. I mean, you know, without going into details, you get discounts off your season tickets in the interim while we're still in the Championship, and it means you're buying a season ticket now that you know might be worth more if and when we get to the Premier League. I mean, that if you have that disposable income at your um, at your fingertips fantastic but th- there's very few fans that do and the reality is when they try this the first time round, you know with maybe less of the incentives and less of the kind of the the setup from uh, from mr chancery we sold uh five so you know there's not a lot of fans who have got thousands of pounds to distribute and give to sheffield wednesday right now and to kind of cut to the chase the whole reason for doing this is not because we you know we're trying to offer a good deal to fans just because we think it's a smart idea it's because we desperately need to raise revenue to close the gap in ffp as we've been talking about now if the gap in ffp is 10 15 million pounds and we don't know the exact number but let's just assume it's somewhere fairly material in that range you, you can go to ours about stat and look at the numbers that peter's been putting out today but it's it's somewhere in the order of you know high th- high thousands of Club 1867 memberships that would have to be sold to close that gap. You know, maybe as many as 10,000. That's just not credible. There aren't 10,000 Sheffield Wednesday fans who are going to be able to lay down a thousand pounds in this window of time to give the club this injection of revenue. It's just it's not going to close the gap. They 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 need to recognise that the way you do that is to do it through player trades and um, and Club 1867 is a nice uh, way for people to contribute, but we shouldn't be depending on it. Uh, and we certainly shouldn't be expecting it of people who've got very limited disposable income at, uh, at their possession. What frustrates me is that, um, like you say, it's it's so unrealistic. It's so optimistic in some sense. Um, the fact that he he's not committing to selling players to raise these funds. And if it's his, if it's his stubbornness uh, which gets us into this mess, then you will only have yourself to blame for it. This plan to get the... the the uh, fans to pay more in advance is a pipe dream at best. Uh, I think there is benefits for fans, uh, but fans have got lots of money to spend and not a lot of Sheffield Wednesday's fan base have. And the, it shows you how optimistic he is. One of the lines which made me laugh in the uh, press release was that 
Uh, Club 1867 is available to all supporters who wish to support the scheme, even Owls fans overseas. I mean, who's who's going to pay um, like five hundred pounds uh, to a season ticket if you live overseas? I mean, is there a helicopter pad to get back and forth from uh, like your pad in Gibraltar or something? Or no one's going to do that in overseas. It's re- it's hard enough to get someone in Sheffield to pay for these season ticket uh, in advance. Uh, it's just to me, it's it's just blind. It's it's so blind, optimistic. Well, I mean, I think what we need to differentiate is what you can reasonably expect people to to contribute by the way of payments for you know a, a service or a product right because the way that the accounts work is you can't just accept donations it's not like you know we could just have a, a fundraising round and and you know all these people are going to put money in without getting something in return because that isn't the problem the problem is not capitalizing sheffield wednesday it's not bringing in new ca- uh, cash flow that that's sorted by the owner he's he's underwriting the club in in a very meaningful way the only way we can turn a profit that means we stay within the ffp regulations is if we sell things um and to your point, buddy, you know, why would someone overseas, let's just boil it down for a second, we're overseas fans, why would we buy season tickets at Sheffield Wednesday when we're not in Sheffield for 48 weeks of the year? It, 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 it's bonkers, right? I mean, you, you know, seem in, to be in, over in England a lot more than four weeks out of the year, James. <laughs> all right. If we're not in Sheffield for more than 44 weeks of the year or something along those lines, Jeff. But y- y- you get where I'm going, right? If you need to generate revenue, material revenue as a business of the order of magnitude that Sheffield Wednesday need to do, then first and foremost, look at where that revenue can come from, from really significant contribution areas like player sales or corporations, you know, commercial activity. Uh, there, are, there are things that you can do that can generate that revenue far, far quicker than you can aggregate it from 10,000 Wednesday nights chipping in. But also for those people who do want to contribute to the club, don't close them down and say that they aren't making their best efforts to support the club by you know the 10 20 30 pounds they do want to contribute over and above the price of their season ticket make it really really easy for them to go and buy an extra shirt or something in the club shop you know acknowledge that but don't depend on it um and that that's where the model the model is broken right now the revenue model cannot come purely from the fans it has to come from other sources as wednesday head in to their upcoming fixtures. Their ostensible manager, Steve Bruce, was spotted in the West Indies watching some cricket, Patty. Yeah, and I think, thankfully, most of the reaction to this has been kind of uh, fair. I think most of the Wednesday fans realize the situation that, uh, from what I understand and what I've heard, is that he planned this trip uh, to go with his wife, the West Indies, uh, to thank her for the efforts she did when he lost his parents last year. So most of the fans know the story. However, I've got so much shit from fans of other clubs this week saying, why is Steve Bruce watching cricket in West Indies when I thought it was uh, your manager now, blah, 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 blah. And it, I mean, it soon finishes when you tell them the reason. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's not particularly great press for both us and Steve Bruce if you don't know the reason why he's there. Yeah, I mean, hey, they... did you know what though, Paddy? I, I thought of something really positive about this. And maybe it's just me, but like I'm seeing all these pictures on social media of Steve Bruce basically hanging out with a big smile on his face with the England cricket team. And I'm thinking, he's the Sheffield Wednesday manager. He, he, I, I, look, I, you know, I, I know we shouldn't really be kind of getting proud about these things. We've not got much to be proud about this season. But anyone who's connected to the England cricket team this week has been talking to Steve Bruce and knows who Sheffield Wednesday are. That's, that's all right. I mean, yeah. everyone knows he should be spying at Stamford Bridge to get information on our upcoming opponents. <laughs> 
Oh, no, we, did, we didn't sign the letter, Jeff. We don't. We don't care about that. <laughs> in uh, in good news, the All Wednesday documentary is now available on the SWFC YouTube site, James. Yeah, the, um, this is. It's, I have it's been, been like telling Jekyll everyone Hyde I know if they want to understand me to just watch this documentary, basically. So. Yeah, well, exactly, and this is kind of what I mean, you know. For 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 all the critique I was just giving of Club eighteen sixty seven and our, our funding model, you know, this is the thing that we should all be super proud of, and, and you know, Matt Exton and and the the team that put this together are just you know, they're idols for I think all Wednesday fans who've um, who've seen the film, who've brought the DVD, and and now for for those who haven't been able to to access the you know. Um, the film that way around. Now they can get it on YouTube, and I, I think the biggest testament that I can really hope this uh, this gets is that it goes well beyond the Wednesday fan base. I mean, I know there's been a lot of adulation for some of the um, recent films that have been on platforms like Netflix about Sunderland and so on. Well, this this film is easily as good as that in articulating what it means to be a Wednesday night, and it deserves all of the viewership and and, uh, and exposure that it gets. So, um, good on the club for making that available, for working with Matt to make it available, and. Yeah, I mean, um, I've watched it a couple of times, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it again. Um, it's, it's just a brilliant piece of work. More positive exposure for the club, Patty, as we have bagged another goal of the month. Yeah, it was Jao's thunderbolt against Blackburn. Uh, we mentioned it last week. That was in the contention, and the next day got announced as the winner. So, uh, congrats, Lucas. Uh, a few more of those for the end of the season would be great. Thank you. Get us up to fifteenth place at least. Possibly not uh, scoring a goal of the month level Thunder Chuffer is Matt Penny, who at least we finally have some sort of confirmation James might actually be injured, which would explain his absence from the squad lately. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of those, uh, another Wednesday conspiracy theory that we can chalk up to just be a conspiracy theory, or can we? Um, yeah, apparently he's injured. So, uh, so uh, obviously we wish Matt Penny a speedy recovery. Um does seem a bit curious that he's literally disappeared and then become injured having signed a one-year contract, but let's just trust that that's, uh, that's the case and we're just not very good at communicating what our players are up to at any particular point in time. Yeah, I find that really bizarre. This is his second operation, apparently, as well, and um, we only just find he has through his, his own social media profile. It's a really weird one, that. I mean, you can't really ever go wrong just assuming a Wednesday player is injured at this point, so... Yeah. We are going to have to talk about the training ground at some point, aren't we? The fact that they're playing on some kind of, um, you know, knife-filled concrete or something. I think they're just playing in the car park, aren't they? They're not just playing in the field. That's what they're going wrong all these years. There must be some kind of heavy hitter, someone who just goes in there and just twists knees and kind of, you know, smashes legs for fun. I mean, are we, are we hanging out with, like, the US uh, Olympic uh, ice skating team circa 1994 or something? That's a deep <laughs> that's, cut. Jesus. That's a niche reference. <laughs> Uh, joining Wednesday on the car park to practice soon will not be Cabano. Uh, so is anybody coming in in this transfer window? I think someone will come in. Uh, I don't know who that's going to be. I think the fact that there's smoke, uh, I think there is some uh, kind of rods in fire and dumb. Uh, Housen alluded to that fact earlier on when uh, he announced that this is this deal was off. So, is uh, it's Niskan's Cabano, isn't it, for Fulham that we were rumored to sign? Um, but he actually 
played for Fulham at the weekend. Did, yeah, he was, came in off the bench. I actually watched that game. It was not very... Uh, yeah, it was fine. So, I don't think... Um, I don't think it's going to be a, a marquee signing, put it that way. I think you can probably think around players of that level that aren't getting uh, minutes in the Premier League and probably the best of our options. Um, I don't think we'll be spending any money, put it that way. Um, so, it was kind of scraps and probably all happened on the last day of the transfer window as usual. I mean, you can't believe that with Bruce's connections that we aren't running the rule over a number of players for, for maybe loan moves. Um, Large, I'm, square, kind of central midfielder. Really <laughs> well, exactly. There's kind of, you know, I think he's, he's on record or at least. Possibly Welsh or Irish. Large, square, central midfielder. Yeah. Well, look, can, can we have a large, square, central midfielder? I think we've been crying out for one of those for a few years, right? Um, mm. But no, he's, he's on record as saying that I think somebody associated with Bruce is on record as saying that the defence needs strengthening. So, you know, well, ipso facto, yes, please. Um, so hopefully we'll see some movement there. What, what's kind of startling is that we're just seeing this stonewalling on players moving out. Um, you know, again, Paddy, you're absolutely right. We're we're only in the third week of January and, and the rubber really hits the road next week. So um, I think it'll be a really interesting discussion when we get to the end of the window. Have we actually accepted a bid for a player and brought some revenue in or are we leaving everything to chance to the end of the season you know if that's the plan then then we really are you know trying to throw a double to get ourselves out of jail but we'll see how we go but if what if that's if that's what um so if what chance said last week is true about having um to submit our financials um by march then how can he say that we're selling people at that point in the season unless he sells them now so for me, it's a much more important thing to see players going out of the club in the next week than actually coming into the club. Because if we don't get people out of the club the next week, there'll be not many people coming in after that for a good couple of years when we're on a transfer embargo. Yeah, and and, and it is entirely true. I mean, you submit your... So the financial year runs to, um, you know, over the course of the season. So it, you know, it basically runs to the, the course of the last season. We have to submit provisional accounts by the end of March to the EFL before they're finally submitted to Companies House and um, are made public later in the year. So the only way in which we get out of that, having declared a significant loss that takes us over the FFP guidelines, is if we have we can provide them with essentially hard evidence that players would be sold in the summer, which would mean... Know, I don't know, letters of intent or you know tacit agreements with certain clubs on certain players. Now, that's a big, big ask, right? Much, much easier to do exactly what you've just described, Paddy, and, and have a couple of uh, player sales in the bank and the cash in the bank as, as well in January. So it's going to be a really interesting week in Wednesday. Um, the signs aren't there that it's going to happen, but if it does, it could it could make life a whole lot easier for all of us. If Steve Bruce is looking for a proper English midfielder, Paddy... There's one uh, up just a few miles up the road in Dundee United who scored on his debut. <laughs> yeah, actually, he's about Ian Harks, aren't he? The, um, Dundee United. He's, I think he's a right back in that midfield, unless they're playing him in midfield. But he scored, they, they won 4 0 on his debut, and he scored in the last minute. Uh, so, congratulations to Ian Harks. We talked about his, uh, uh, his signing last week on the podcast, uh, how it's a kind of uh, a Harks uh, family kind of. Uh, home at Dundee where his granddad grew up um, so it's uh, fantastic for Axe to go there in his debut and score so congrats to the whole Axe family on that and if he is actually a right back all the more reason to get him in yeah definitely I'll say we much more need a right back than a midfielder 
Now it's time for us to take a break, but when we come back, we'll head down to the MLS champions in Atlanta to find out how our Atlanta Owl became a Wednesdayite. about a fortnight out from the Super Bowl in Atlanta, but we instead have a superb owl, with all apologies to Luke, from Atlanta on the show instead. It's Dana Blankenhorn. And Dana, how did you become a Wednesdayite? Well, the short version is uh, a gentleman from Sheffield named Steve Gold. And Steve and I worked together at an old internet news service in the 80s called News Bites. And I found out that Steve was a Sheffield Wednesday fan and still is. And um, that's kind of how I got into it. So, so what, what year was this, um, Dana? Gosh, this was about 19... I didn't really start following the club until the late 90s. But, um, you know, I started working with uh, Steve in the mid-80s. I was right. making a living on the internet in 1985. Wow. That's a, <laughs> that's a pretty good going. We can't do it with this podcast in 2019, so. <laughs> Have you got any tips? Uh, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you, you started following them in, in earnest in the early 90s. So uh, I assume that's when we got good, I assume. You started following us then. Now, actually, I really started paying attention when you got bad. Oh, okay. Full <laughs> <laughs> time on your part. You know, Paolo Decanio and uh, Benito Carbone and uh, Danny Wilson and uh, and that whole crowd that went. You only really started paying attention to us when we were just a little bit bad, not when we were really, really, really bad. Yeah, that's true. I've I, I've I've watched them twice go down to League One and um, cheered when they when they finally came back to the championship. And you know, the championship is the most English league. I, the Premier League isn't even English anymore. There's no hardly any English managers. There's hardly any English players. God knows there's no English owners. Um, at least the championship's got Englishmen in them. They can't play, but <laughs> yeah, <very> in quality. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's excellent. So, um, so how did you used to watch them over here then in the mid nineties or early mid nineties? There was a highlight show, and I forget where it was. It was on some sports channel, and they used to go through the highlights of all the Premier League games, uh, and I would watch. I would watch that. And then later, um, I followed them on the internet, you know, in text form. Um, You find a way, you know. (laughs) Drives my wife crazy, but you find a way. Did you have, like, the text news service where they'd, like, text you the scores? No, I, I, you know, like, lately, the last few years, when they're not on TV, and they are on TV a surprisingly large amount of time. Anytime they're on Sky now, they will be on ESPN3. Which yeah, is yeah, online. Now rebranded ESPN Plus. Um, it's all online now, isn't it? So right, rid of the right. Free moniker. Right, exactly. And when they're not, 
it's funny. I can watch them on Twitter in a way. Uh, everybody's tweeting about what's going on while the game's going on. And I'm plugged into some of those people and um, they have fun. We actually went to a game. My daughter and I went to a game back in 2013. We went all the way up to Middlesbrough. Oh, I'm sorry uh, to hear to watch, that. <laughs> yeah, watch, we saw Anthony Gardner's career end. Oh, uh, that that horror injury he had? Yes. Um, uh, we scored the first goal, I remember, and, um, and then Gardner had that horrible injury. And then... Um, and then they scored, and it was a one-one tie. But it was, it was funny. The, the Wednesday fans were uh, were in, in prime voice singing, "We have more fans than you," and <laughs> things like that. Which, which is all accurate. But it, it would be remiss of me sure. not to ask you what your impressions of Middlesbrough as a cultural city in the north of England. Are. <laughs> well, I, I I didn't make it to the mall, but <laughs> sure, it's quite lovely. I, it was it was strange. I mean, they don't really have much in the way of parking. They've got this stadium, a thirty thousand seat roughly stadium, up on a hill. And where do you park? And there's no public transit to it whatsoever that I could find. Um, we stayed in York and drove up. York is York is is fantastic. Um, anybody who hasn't been to Yorkshire, that's the most English part of England. And I think really uh, quite the nicest part of it. Even Hull is kind of nice. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. You're, 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 you're going well off script now then. Let's, uh, let's get back to Matters Atlanta. On its day, on its day. Uh, you wanted to ask about the, how the club is doing now? Uh, well, first of all, get your thoughts on Wednesday, yeah. So, um, obviously, you, you kind of uh, came into watching Wednesday when Di Canio and Carbonio were playing the trade. Um, yeah. what's, what, what are your thoughts on this season so far? I know it's not been particularly in, in, exciting at times, but what do you think are hopes for the future? Well, soccer careers or, or athletic careers are, are like you're living a dog's life. And dogs get old real fast. Uh, and players... Uh, get old real fast and it happens all of a sudden and that's basically what happened um you know you had a we had a really good club we almost went up i know Hull, and steve bruce kept it out and uh, otherwise everything would would be hunky-dory and we'd have went won the premier league by now and and uh we'd be putting up <laughs> statues of chancery you know outside the stadium but once that failed and then once they, you know, lost in a shootout uh, to Huddersfield, the players just got old. And, uh, and then the, basically the authorities caught up with, uh, with the owner and uh, with financial fair play, he'd been overspending to get this really good team. And uh, he's up against it. I, I really feel sorry for the guy. I mean, God knows I wouldn't, nobody would want the situation you had before Mr. Amp Mandrich saved the club and zeroed out the debts. Um, you know, they were headed for the trash heap. And, uh, but he got it back up on its feet financially, sold it to this uh, uh, chicken of the sea. That's one of his brands, by the way. Chicken of the sea tuna is owned by this, uh, the, same, the same family. 
one of my favorite brand names in America, which just for our English listeners, there's a tuna brand in America called Chicken of the Sea. Yeah, uh, if that doesn't uh, whet your appetite, nothing will. Well, it, it you know it, it's tuna fish it goes with mayonnaise and blah blah. <laughs> makes, makes a nice hot dish. I got a good hot dish recipe. Hold on, hold on. Why have we not hit on this before, Paddy? This is a perfect fundraising opportunity for Sheffield Wednesday. We just need to get all of America to buy one tin of tuna, chicken of the sea, <laughs> and we don't need to do Club eighteen sixty seven Mark Two. I really, I, 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 didn't, I didn't even believe that Chicken of the Sea was his brand, but that's uh, that's news to me. But um, it makes sense since he owns every other brand of t- of, tan- of canned tuna. Right. That doesn't. Uh, yeah. That 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 money goes to the family. It doesn't doesn't help the cause. Uh, that's uh, a very important asterisk on the end of this conversation. Thank you. Also, as an Italian, I would recommend uh, not tuna and mayonnaise, but tuna and a good olive oil with some capers. Yeah, that's, that's good. One too. That's very nice. In these dark times, this podcast also doubles as basically um, Jeff's cocktail and hors d'oeuvres uh, podcast. So we're, uh, we're all ears, Jeff. Actually, when when I started watching Wednesday, Atlanta had a really really good soccer team with more internationals on it than you can shake a stick at than any premier league club it was called the atlanta beat and they were all women internationals but they were internationals and you can tell you can tell quality when it's on the pitch we had cindy parlow and brianna scurry and we had some incredible times my daughter and i uh, going to some of those games but um, they folded, and for a long time, there was really nothing in this city in terms of football and very little hope. There was this little minor league team called the Silverbacks um, that played in a stadium that sat maybe 1,000 and then get maybe 500 to show up. And, um, but that was it. Didn't Ronaldinho and- play for them briefly? Uh, I mean, he's played I for. Know. I feel like he's played for every team briefly in North America at this point. But not Ronaldinho. I I know. I think we're in uh, one of the Rivaldos or somebody. Right, uh, I mean, the, <laughs> that works too. Miami. He played for the Miami club in that league. It's called the U. It's called the USL, and um, they they keep on trying to do something, but they're a minor league, and Atlanta will not back minor leagues we just don't well they certainly uh they certainly back their mls team this year well that's the thing what what atlanta wants out of sports is not just to win but to crush you we want to be the yankees it's it's every atlanta fans dream to have a team like the yankees that's what we want and the the teams that we've had here the Braves and the Falcons, the Braves were really good for a while and we supported them, but you know, the Falcons and the Hawks, the Hawks had a chance to get Luka Doncic. They had the third pick in the draft. They traded him away for a six foot forward from Oklahoma. Ugh, you know, don't, don't get me started. And we had a hockey team twice and both times let him get away. But the fact is that what Atlanta wants is a winner. And Uncle Arthur, uh, Arthur Blank, uh, came in with this huge pile of money and his third wife and, um, and really spent it. And you can see it when you go there. Going to an Atlanta United game is like, it's like going to Old Trafford. And it's always full, 
just like Old Trafford. And where do these old... fans come from, uh, Dana? Where, where have they just emerged from? There's 70,000 fans there a week now. And you said that the last soccer team they had in Atlanta, they were getting maybe 1,000 to 4,000 people there. So is it well, just the it, fact that they haven't built a stadium and they just arrived there? Is a great idea? Well, it, actually, it's, it's kind of interesting. There's some racial politics involved here. Um, at, at the time that uh, we were getting the team, the Atlanta Braves, the baseball team, got a huge bid from the neighboring county, the suburban county, Cobb County, to move out there. And that's outside the perimeter. There's two parts, there's two parts of Atlanta, inside the perimeter, inside 285, outside the perimeter. And they're completely different. And once the Atlanta Braves went outside the perimeter, they left Atlanta. But then we had this other team. So everybody came in initially to support in-town Atlanta when we were playing over at Georgia Tech. And the games were just so incredibly fun that they brought that atmosphere uh, into the big stadium and, you know, word of mouth. There are so many United signs around the in-town area that I live. Uh, it's really remarkable. And the club, I'm not saying they, they would win any of the European, big European leagues, but they're, they may be better than anything on this continent. And uh, they're certainly competitive with uh, teams like the, the best Dutch teams, you know, teams like that. Definitely, um, uh, and, definitely better than the Red Bulls. Hey, uh, well, uh, the Red Bulls, are, the Red Bulls are are awfully good, and they're awfully well managed. And um, you know, they've got a thing. And you know, Bradley Wright Phillips, you let him get away, man. I mean, uh, he was what was he, he was playing in Charlton in the in the third division. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, I feel like um, he really has got a lot better since he's moved over here. He's learned a lot. He's, he's intelligent. We'll talk, we talk about Stephen Fletcher quite a lot on this podcast. And yeah. uh, I don't want to compare him to Stephen Fletcher, but he's got a lot of similar strengths and a lot of similar kind of intelligence to him too. He's playing his, his, his trade in a much weaker league than Fletcher. So, um, But I, I, I said maybe last year... There are year some that, MLS teams I'd love to see relegated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, some of them deserve to relegate. They're just like they offer nothing to the league, um, and there's up, there's more up and coming um, uh, USL teams which deserve the, the uh, limelight than some of the teams that have got a guaranteed spot in MLS. So I know Evan, our, our other host, uh, spots Louisville. They've got a great kind of culture there and a great uh, fan base. So yeah. to me, that kind of promotion relegation it will give those smaller clubs an incentive to to shoot up but i'm just it's an absolutely remarkable achievement what atlanta united have done this season and the season before uh if any uh soccer fan at home or football fan at home isn't aware of their rise just go study it it, it is absolutely for for a fan base and a club to appear within two or three years and have the uh, support that they have is just i've never heard of it before my entire life yeah you know uh, tito vialba if somebody wants to offer uh about uh, maybe eight or nine million, you can have them. <laughs> uh, tell tell Mr. Chancery that. Uh, well, you've already explained. Have you sold uh, Almiron yet to Newcastle? Because I know he was holding out for more wages, right? Well, it's funny that what's going on in Europe is this, and hardly anybody's really talking about it seriously, is that the business has gone south. Uh, everybody has, has decided they're, 
They're tired of losing money. Um, you know, even Barcelona and Real Madrid are on, you know, they're on financial fair play. They can't, they can't spend by everybody the way they used to. Uh, the German clubs are frugal. The Italian clubs are broke. The English clubs are worried about what's coming up. And the big leagues are, are getting much smaller, much more rapidly than we should have thought, than we thought. Now, Almiron would be, a couple of years ago, a snip at 30 million bucks. We paid eight for him. We can keep him for a while. Um, he'd like to go because he wants to prove himself. Uh, and actually, you know, we might prefer for him to go because we've got the best player in South America lined up, Pity Martinez. You know, he was playing in the Copa Libertadores final at the Bernabeu a couple of months ago. And I was kind of surprised, you know, we didn't go grab um, the, uh, Scalotto, the manager of the, the team he beat that day. Uh, for our manager, he wound up going to the LA Galaxy, and we, you know, we we decided to, you know, Darren Eels came from Tottenham Hotspur, supposed to know something. He wants to build something like Ajax. Which well, you, you dodged part- a bullet with um, there was a lot of rumors around Alan Pardew for a while, wasn't there? So at least you haven't got that to deal with. Oh yeah, there were rumors about David Moyes. Oh my God, no! Yeah, that <laughs> was on, hilarious. Please. You got all yeah, these like that, Hispanic fans from getting some of the best uh, talent in the in South American leagues, and you bring in Alan Pardew to just step or to extinguish all of that fire. Uh, so I think you've got a great point. Devorah is kind Dabur. of a stretch. Devorah is kind of it may be in a way um, kind of a stretch because he's not a great recruiter. Uh, Scalotto would have been a much better recruiter of of talent. But we've reached the point, according to the president, Mr. Eels, and Mr. Bocanegra, the general manager, that we don't need a recruiter, that the name sells, sells itself, uh, that we are the Manchester United of America, uh, that everybody really you know, dreams of coming here. And Martinez is a good example of that. So what we're trying to do now is put in a system that will develop players from around here and from everywhere else in a style that is identifiable and is attacking, you know, the way man, you play, you know, play soccer, the man, you way play soccer, the, the, the Atlanta United way. Don't call it soccer. When you say play the man, you way, please. <laughs> Jose Mourinho era excluded, of course. <laughs> oh God. Can you imagine if we'd actually signed him? Oh God. <laughs> it's, so, it's such a miserable bit getting out of um, to bring you back onto Wednesday um, though, okay. Dana. Um, yeah. so this weekend I'm not sure if uh, you're able to make it but it's our first ever meet up in Atlanta uh, oh, yeah, got I'm going to get over there fantastic so uh, it's going to be at oh God, what's the bar called Hudson FC right that's what the bar is called that's what they call it uh, it's, it's a Hudson Grill it's a, <clears throat> it's a sports bar over by the Brookhaven Marta Station uh, if you're staying anywhere uh, along the Marta line, just get off at Brookhaven and go diagonally across the street and dodge the cars at Dresden because it's a big old light and there's not a lot of protection. Okay. But our, our daughter did it for a year when she was going to Oglethorpe. She chewed on all the way up about a mile past there to Oglethorpe University 
and uh, take her classes. So I, you know, she could do it. You can do it. <laughs> I, I really want to get down to Atlanta this season because as a Red Bulls fan, I want to go down to that ground and. Uh, if uh, Hudson FC is a good place for uh, beer and uh, watch the Wednesday game, I'll try and do that at the same time as well. But um, I'll start I, at 12.30. I know you guys supposedly start at 1, but I'm going to get there at 12.30 for the start of the game. And by the time you get there, the game will probably be over. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're hoping to have some uh, some brunch first, get a few drinks down before the game starts, enjoy the atmosphere a little bit before uh, the game kicks off, like you say. Yeah, uh, unless, of course, you know, unless, of course, the... Uh, Sorry decides to go sorry, not sorry, and play his scrubs. Bunch, See, a bunch of guys wearing blue shirts. Well, I mean, at the moment, they're not in good form, so I wouldn't be surprised if he does put a few people in there. And you signed Higuain today, too, so we might see Higuain's first introduction to English football is against Sheffield Wednesday, which I thought would be hilarious. Well, uh, doesn't his brother... Well, his brother plays MLS, doesn't it? Yeah, there's a, there's a word going for Columbus crew, right? Is, is he the same uh, yeah. family? Yeah. All right, I think yeah. he is. Yeah, I think it's his brother. That's cool. uh, and and he's good. Well, you know, MLS good. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the league is not is not great, but the league is getting better much faster than you think, and the budgets are becoming more competitive with uh, with other nations much more quickly than than anybody knows, simply because the budgets elsewhere are going down. I mean, what's the average champion, uh, championship salary right now is is what uh, uh, one thirty thousand or or two fifty. I think it may be two fifty. Two hundred. It's still in weeks, isn't it? So it's always hard for me to uh, estimate that. So I'd say the average championship salary is probably about twenty k a week. Would you say, James? Well, twenty k. Twenty k a week. Twenty k a week. Do they pay it out all year or just during the season? It'll be the whole year. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so, so 12 months. So you, yeah. you're talking about well, what, about 400 grand a year in sterling. So that's about 500,000 uh, US dollars, maybe a little bit less these days as the pound drops. And drops and drops. And, you know, yeah, that's that's more than we pay. I think the average MLS salary is uh, maybe a third, of, maybe maybe a quarter of that. I think it's like uh, one thirty. Oh, we've, got, we've, we've got Red Bulls players. Half the Red Bulls uh, teams are earning less than I am a year. It's it's crazy. Uh, really? I'm, not earning, I'm not earning a lot of money. <laughs> They're earning a pittance. Some of the Red Bulls team for a New York uh, for New York wage. You did upgrade to a Mustang convertible now, though, Pat. <laughs> so obviously you're doing pretty well for yourself. I don't know of anybody who sees the field uh, for Atlanta that uh, that makes that little. I mean, God, we 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 pay Chris McCann like a like he can play. <laughs> okay. Um, so we've gone through a wide range of topics this evening, Dana. Um, we really appreciate your time. No uh, we do have to get off, though, I'm afraid. And um, okay, bye bye. We... sorry, Dana. We'll see ya. Oh no, sorry. I thought you were saying something else then. No, thanks for, thanks for your time, Dana. And uh, we shall speak again soon. Enjoy the Atlanta meetup on Sunday. And that's let's at Hudson FC. Let's beat Chelsea. Let's do that, man. The, let's do it. And win the win the cup. <laughs> <laughs> That'll solve our problem. <laughs> yeah, it'll certainly put a, a band-aid over for a while, at least anyway, Dana. That's all we want to do. Uh, also, I want a pony. <laughs> now, 
We, like a full sold-out contingent of 6,000 Wednesdayites, will head down to London and preview the Chelsea match. You know, there are certain new previews that I get particularly excited about. I think this is one of them, and we'll go over to our British anthropological expert, James Allen. Thank you, Jeff. Um, what what a unique opportunity for the uh, for the travelling casual chef of Wednesday fan to uh, to spend some time uh, considering a new breed of human that they want to uh, to interact with. Should they have the good fortune to uh, to follow Wednesday to an away ground this weekend, um, as we uh, as we head to Stamford Bridge, home of uh, home of Chelsea FC, um, Chelsea well reputed obviously as being a bit of a rotten borough in the uh, the city of London. Um, London being a small city, not one that we uh, we know all that well, but um, Chelsea being um, probably one of the most ironic parts of uh, of that very well-known international city because of its immense wealth today but immense um basically skankiness in uh, in history um i don't know if that's actually true in any way shape or form but basically when i grew up chelsea was a, a pseudonym for uh, for a bunch of kind of um very uh, unsalubrious uh, types of football supporting uh, people uh, most of whom uh, were famous for creating the chelsea smile with a uh, with a knife and a knee to the ball um not really the sort of people you wanted to mix with if you were if you were following Wednesday um they also played in a, a pretty ramshackle ground in this West London uh, area they're from uh, which for some reason had people parking behind the goal uh, and and weird sort of expanses of, of sand which still existed pretty much the last time Wednesday uh, beat them at Stamford Bridge I think um back in uh, in the early 90s on route to the Rumblows Cup final um anyway fast forward a few years and it turns out that Chelsea is uh, is a rather uh, fancy place to live these days in West London um the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea um home of, uh, of Royal Parks and um and uh, flash cars Russian oligarchs and and those few remaining people in Britain who uh, who are still uh, sitting pretty amid the uh, the the burning and chaos that uh, accompanies the forthcoming uh, Brexit deadline in March. So um, Chelsea have obviously made themselves uh, a little bit of the uh, the kind of the luxurious end of British football. Um, they've uh, they've built their stadium up a bit. You can't park behind the goal anymore, uh, and they've they've won a few titles and a few. Uh, a few European titles as well on on boot of that. So pretty much the club that everybody loves to hate, including uh, any overseas Chef Wednesday fans, those in America as well, who find themselves rubbing up against the glory sporting likes, wearing a a blue shirt and a a fancy modified lion in the form of Chelsea FC. So, um, yeah, it's a unique opportunity for Wednesday to go and get some revenge on one of the most plastic clubs in Britain, uh, supported by the the most um, overly... uh, comfortable uh, football fans but with a fairly dark history somewhere in the background so uh, quite quite an exciting one on Sunday I think. Patty I'm not confident that we can stop the MLS version of Higuain so how do you feel about uh, Tom Lee's marching <laughs> marking the good version of it going into this game? <laughs> no me neither um, I, I, all I can hope for is not going to get many minutes maybe we'll introduce him for half an hour um, and uh, uh, kind of right at the end of the match Um Either than so, I'd hope it takes him a little bit of a rude awakening to the English football. And I'm sure um, uh, Tom Lees and whoever partners in that centre-half will uh, assist in that. I don't, I'm not particularly confident in uh, Liam Palmer and Morgan Fox giving him the rollicking that he deserves. Um, but uh, hopefully Tom Lees can put some pressure on him at least. There's a, there's uh, a hutch two-footer in the, uh, <laughs> in the offering here, I feel like. 
Yeah, I mean, Hutch has got history with Chelsea, as we know. Um, so we'll see how that comes out on the game Sunday. But he'll, I'm sure he'll relish um, going out at Stamford Bridge uh, for, for, for Wednesday. So it's a good moment for him too. Uh, the sad moment for us is that Hector is not available to select. So we talked about this last week on the podcast too, about whether he would um, uh, fall foul to that contract agreement. And uh, they do have it in the contract that he can't play against them. Uh, the good news is that Forestieri uh, has been spreading Chinese whispers around Sheffield to everyone he would uh, meet that he will be ready to face Chelsea on Sunday too, maybe off the bench. Uh, Got to get yourself in that shaft window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the answer, Jeff. We we get Fessy yeah. off the bench, he scores a screamer in a 7-1 defeat and we sell him <laughs> 15 million quid. I mean, it's 7-1 in our favour, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, It's absolutely. the, uh, I mean, the it, Ian yeah. Hark stoppage time special and it's... Uh... We, we we can but dream, can't we? I mean, but I flipping into serious mode for a second. I mean, someone pointed out on Twitter, and I, I hate to say it, but it was a um, it was it was one from the dark side of our city, where which was kind of pointing out there's an entire generation of Wednesdayites that can't remember Wednesday playing Chelsea. I mean, I I remember Wednesday going down Stamford Bridge, you know, season in season out in the nineties, right? And um, and I think the club were putting out something today about you know one of the last games we played in the Premier League before we got relegated to uh, a 1-0 win at Hillsborough when, uh, when they came up to us. Like, you know, the, these are the games that we've done. Um, you know, that Sam Hutchinson is going to be reunited with that ground where he, he grew up as a ball boy and a, a trainee and kind of in the youth system. You know, this does lift teams. It does lift players. And it, it's good for Wednesday and the 6,000 fans that are going down there just to remind us that we can, for at least a game, hang with these types. Um the fact that Higuain is <laughs> is just one player, and they they might have Eden Hazard and uh, Willian and uh, and a host of other internationals is is probably going to cause us a few more problems than the average Championship um, match. But I, I think it's going to be a special one. It's it's just got that feel of, you know, Wednesday in a place where naturally we feel like maybe we belong a little bit more than uh, than others. Um, but we really rarely get those opportunities to savor it. Willian yeah. against uh, Morgan Fox is like a chef kissing fingers moment, really. <laughs> <laughs> and then Hazard against Palmer on the other side. Oh my god! <laughs> it has all the all marks, which getting absolutely thrashed, doesn't it? But they haven't been firing on all cylinders, you know. Chelsea. I, I saw them against Arsenal the weekend. They weren't very good there. They scraped a two-one win against Newcastle the week before that. Lost Tottenham in the semi-final of the cup. They beat Forest two-nil in the cup before that. Drew Southampton nil-nil. Uh, they've been scraping uh, the 1-0 wins here and there, but not really doing it with uh, much kind of uh, uh, emphasis this season so far. So I think they're on a poor run of form, and I, and I think we can get something out of this, at least give them a game. Um, I hope that um, they're still in that kind of uh, slow kind of uh, mood they were against Arsenal on Saturday, because uh, if, we, if we up our game, as we saw against Arsenal a few years ago, we can give people a game like this. So I think the sort of the working theory from listening to the football ramble is sort of like Sari only really has one way to play. And you know, if you studied the tape, which I'm sure they have, you can you can sort of figure out a way to to play against it. But I just feel like again, Willian against Morgan Fox. There's no real way for them to. <laughs> No, no matter how many say, videos yeah. Fox watches this week, it's not going to help him that much. I, I'm not super confident, but I, uh, you know, going back to the Arsenal game, I'll, admittedly that was at Hillsborough, which I just do think makes a huge difference. I was not super confident going into that either, and figured Arsenal would 
clatter us, and they didn't. So yeah, I'm I'm up for a visit to the uh, for a visit to the car park. And we did, uh, we did injure half of Arsenal's team in the first half an hour of that game. So <laughs> like a similar, similar strategy too, yeah. for this will be good too. I feel like to be the fair, the we well that's exactly might be what we did to Brighton better. later in the season, right? We, we worked <laughs> out the way to do it was just to injure the opposition, and you uh, you get a, a historic result. So if you see players going in for crazy challenges and trying to stretch some hamstrings in the first half, you know Eden Hazard limps off after twenty minutes, then maybe we've got a. Uh, a fighting chance. You know, what what we should say, though, Jeff, is, you know, I joked about 6,000. It's a Sunday night at 6 p.m. in the UK, um, which is a lousy time for any football game. I know it's great for those it's of us in the really US. It's really good for me, yes. <laughs> great great for us here, less good for, for the people who actually travel and go and sit in the stands. But, you know, Wednesday have sold out a 6,000 allocation. There's going to be a proper party atmosphere in West London throughout the day, Sunday afternoon. Um, and, you know, um, I... I just think it's good for us as a club. It's good for the fan base. Um, I like what the club have been doing today, by the way, if, if you've seen it, the video they've put together to try and just you know drum up a little bit of enthusiasm around things like merchandising, trying to sell a few extra away shirts. It, it's just catalyzing us to think a little bit bigger than maybe and a bit better than we've been doing of late. Um, and, and that's a good thing. It might, just, it might spark a few ideas, spark a few kind of um, a bit more enthusiasm amongst the squad and amongst the hierarchy, which is good. And enjoy those uh, $12 pints in West London after the game. <laughs> Says the man who buys pints in Midtown Manhattan. Mm. For uh, for how much, Jeff? Um, I don't remember what the last one uh, we had in Midtown is. I mean, in Football Factory, I'd never pay for a pint ever, so it's probably fine. <laughs> Uh, if you do want to meet up at the Football Factory or elsewhere, Patty, to watch said Chelsea game, where can you do it? Um, have a guess how many meetups we have on the list at the moment. Thirteen. Have you just looked at the list? No. <laughs> <laughs> do you think I do any preparation for this? <laughs> it's fourteen. It's, it's shaping up to be the biggest day uh, since we started Al's Americas. So um, you can obviously go to watch us in New York City um, at Football Factory, uh, which is on West Thirty Third Street. Uh, New Orleans, who are our ever presence, uh, Finn McCool's and uh, Jamie's uh, group will be there for th- uh, this weekend too. Uh, Portland at the Toffee Club, Orlando at the Harp and Kelt, Charleston at the Madrua Somerville. Uh, you have Tampa, Florida in McDinton's Soho, San Francisco at McTeague Saloon. You have uh, Vancouver's first meetup at the New Oxford Pub. Cincinnati's first meetup with our uh, wonderful host Evan uh, at the Rhine House on the River. You have uh, our very first Connecticut meetup with uh, Jeffrey Paternoster as your host at the Blind Rhino in South Norwalk. Uh, we just spoke to uh, Dana earlier on today about Atlanta's first meetup at the uh, Hudson FC pub. You have uh, two more uh, Florida meetups, one in Port St. Lucie at uh, a place called Hopcat and a place uh, in Lake Worth, Florida, called Brogues. Brogues. And finally, uh, to complete the trifecta of Cascadia Owls meetups, Seattle uh, are meeting up for the first time at the uh, Chelsea Bar, Georgian Dragon. So that's 40 in total. Keep checking back on owlsamericas.com. Uh, we've been adding in like two or three days, two or three meetups being added every single day at the moment. Um, so there'll likely be more meetups added as well before Sunday. So, um, com for more information. This has been episode 54, apparently, of the Owls AmeriCast. 
You can find said beat-ups and other information at owlsamericas.com. You can email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers by fellow Wednesdays for Everton and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbeam, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls America SBS, you rate and review the show. That helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our Days and Mumbled line at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply, but you can dial it for free using Google Voice. I'm going to make a special request this week, actually, for voicemails pre- or post-Chelsea game at any of our 14 meetups to help populate the show next week. Let's, let's get a little more, uh, get a little more well, fan interaction on it. Well, we've got seeds in several cities now. So you're, yeah, doing, yeah. you're doing Connecticut, Evans doing Ohio, Mike's doing Portland, and then me and James are in New York. So you can meet pretty much the entire yeah. scene this weekend if you're around America. Um, so, but yeah, let's try and get some uh, audio recorded before and after the match. James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. James, let's. Uh, Let's level level with me. How much of you just wanted to say it's uh, Chelsea's just Millwall with a nouveau riche glaze on top at this point? <laughs> Jeff, that's why you work in marketing and I work in... Oh, shit. <laughs> Patty is... I, wish I, I wish I'd thought of that, uh, that, that simple version of, yeah. my, uh, of my five minute... That's good. I like the longer version. It does help pad out the show. Patty's on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls. Patty, what do you think it would take to beat 14 meetups? 15 meetups. You just got one, nothing with new one in? <laughs> well, you said, what would it take? Oh, well, okay, okay fair enough. Playoffs. Yeah. Come uh, on. I'm, uh, I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and I will be here next week to help break down in great detail. Every single time, Willie and Nutmegs, Morgan Fox. 